As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back. It's over. It's over. It's over. This is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd. The Upper Quartile Podcast. We got to think of a new name, man. I know I've been saying that, but we finally have a head coach to spin forward. And the Colts ushered in a new era yesterday by introducing Shane Steichen as the 11th coach in the team's Indianapolis history. Um, Before we get started, we need a new podcast name. So anybody have any suggestions, throw them at us on Twitter. We will be compiling a list and finding a new name for this podcast because we need to update it and we need a new name because the Colts are starting over and really this podcast is in a lot of ways too. James, 35-day search, 13 candidates, absolutely exhausting, five weeks long. It's finally over. We got to see and hear from Shane Steichen yesterday, two days after the most crushing loss of his career, I would imagine, in Super Bowl Fifty-seven. What were your initial takeaways on what we learned about who this guy is? First off, name idea, run to win, which is what he he mentioned. <laughs> I was like, yeah, there's gonna be a lot of that. <laughs> um, still taking suggestions, but I think the biggest thing I took away from him was just the quarterback relationships, the quarterback development, the way he views the position. I know he's gonna have more on his plate, obviously, than being a quarterback coach like he was previously and also the offensive coordinator but I do think that that was a huge factor in the decision to bring him in obviously at the interview well and Ursay and Bellard both said the same thing you know he he impressed them but I do think that that was a leg up on the competition just giving the styles of quarterbacks he's worked with and how all three of them Philip Rivers Justin Herbert and most recently Jalen Hurts have all had career years you know with Steichen in some capacity, um, helping them in the quarterback room. So I do think that that's my takeaway. It's it's kind of diving into his philosophy on quarterbacks. Don't you mentioned accuracy, decision making, you know, you know, the ability to create and these things look differently for the three quarterbacks I just mentioned, right? You know, you're not gonna expect Phillip Rivers to run for 20 yards, 28 yards, you know, in Super Bowl like Jalen Hurts did. But in his heyday, he was very effective. So I think that that's a huge factor. It's something we'll have to pay attention to while they evaluate quarterbacks. And again, I think that gives them an advantage because you can lean on a guy who, you know, says basically 
whoever you like or you, you know, if you're Chris Ballard, you know, really wants to go after a certain archetype, you know, he could be like, hey, I've worked with all these types of quarterbacks and I can figure out how to make it work with anyone. And then obviously he'll have a say in that as well. So that was my biggest takeaway. I know it's probably not, you know, as touchy feely as some of the other parts of the, the, the presser were, but I'm thinking, hey, quarterback, that's the next step in this thing. And as much as you, you know, want to say, oh, they got it right. The truth is you don't know. And the truth is that's still the second biggest decision of this offseason because the quarterback is the decision. You know, Ursa kind of tipped his hand yesterday by saying, hey, we like that <laughs> Alabama kid. But oh my that's gosh. a different discussion for a different day. I, what what jumped out at me was was two things. It was sort of two different press conferences in a lot of ways. He was really emotional at first, thanking all the people that helped him get to this point. Literally everyone. Understandable. Everyone. The players that he's had, the, the coaches that changed his life, the coaches that gave him a break in the NFL, Anthony Lynn, North Turner, et cetera. But then I saw a different side of Shane Steichen later, a more deliberate, forceful, almost aggressive tone. And that's that's the tone that the Colts really fell in love with during these interviews is when they start talking ball, this guy gets serious. And so there's two different things that really went into this decision. For one, the intelligence blew the Colts away. His intelligence, his football IQ, all that is really, really impressive. From everyone I've talked to in Philly and from what the Colts said publicly yesterday, Ballard and Ursay. Now, Ballard and Ursay had separate meetings with him in Philly about eight or nine days before the Super Bowl. And I think that's interesting. And we'll get into that later about how the Colts came to this decision sort of in unison as opposed to previous major decisions for this franchise but you know they put him through this really wide-ranging series of tests where they basically test his football situational awareness and his on the job thinking right like they put him in all these situations including with George Lee the analytics guy for the Colts and they just tested him how fast he could be how smart he would be and what his thinking does in a short amount of time and so Start there with the intelligence. This guy's really smart. Anyone you talk to around this league will say that. And then secondly, for Jim Irsay, he needed to make sure that this was a guy, right? This was a guy that could command the room, that could earn the respect of 53 men on his roster, 63, including the practice squad, whatever, the entire building, right? He's 37 years old. He's the second youngest coach this team's ever hired behind Don Shula way back in 1963. So, you know, there's a little bit of a risk there. Like, they hire these coaches earlier and earlier in their careers now, and this guy's only been in the league for 12 years. But, like you mentioned, James, everything, everything goes back to one position, the one position the Colts need to fix. And Ursay admitted this yesterday. He was thinking offense. He wanted offense. And as someone told me that was in the back of the room during these interviews, Steichen's recall of certain plays and certain situations and what to do reminded them a little bit of Peyton Manning. That's impressive. That's obviously the standard in this town in terms of football IQ. But compared to where they were about a week ago with all these different options on the table and all these rumors that were running rampant, I feel like this was as good of an outcome right now as the Colts probably could have had. Steichen was just on fire with the Eagles in the playoffs in terms of calling plays and putting up points. But again, I have to say this, it doesn't matter until September. you got to win games. And so I don't really care if you win the press conference. And not saying he did or didn't, but... Nothing really matters until September, and I think the next couple years are going to be an uphill climb for this franchise. I think there's going to be some some lumps along the way with a rookie coach and a rookie quarterback. Oh, absolutely, and you mentioned it in your piece that was posted this morning on The Athletic. It's going to be a rebuild. That's, that's the word everyone wants to kind of avoid, right? You don't want to say that 
to certain players on your team who might be older, you know, like a Stefan Gilmore, like a DeForest Buckner, like a Grover Stewart. But that's the reality. You're going to have a, a rookie quarterback who's not there yet. Like yeah. these guys are not going to walk in and be pro bowlers. I mean, most likely you're going to have a top 10 pick next season again, just because you're not going to win that many games. You want to see progress, you want to see growth, but I do not believe it's going to be a lot of wins just because of so many other things that are wrong with the team beyond just the quarterback play. You got to revamp the offensive line. You need more depth of wide receiver, you need more depth of defensive back. You know, do you look at your linebacker group? And obviously what Bobby O'Karake will probably not be back because of how much money he's going to make next season. So there's a lot of things to evaluate. And I do think one other thing that stood out to me though, is the accountability. And that's something that a guy like Shaquille Leonard, he hammered that home constantly throughout the season, even though he didn't play much. Um, and he did it again in the Super Bowl when he was talking to Von Miller, you know, I believe on like one of his uh, live shows or something like that. You know, we want someone that's going to get in the best players' face and hold them accountable. And that is something that you kind of heard rumblings of with the Frank Reich regime was like, maybe that didn't happen as often as it needed to. Not saying that Frank Reich's approach is wrong. It's just he's he's a different type of guy. And I do think that from what I've read and what, you know, I briefly saw that Shane Steichen will probably be a little more stern, a little more vocal in those senses. Um, and I think it'll go over well with, you know, the team's leaders because I think they're all looking like, hey, we want, you know, someone who's just not, I don't know, as reserved maybe or or not as, you know, professional in a sense because it seems like he's going to get after you. And, and again, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It just has to look like, you know, something on Sunday. Again, like Frank Reich could go over to Carolina and have a great season and be the same Frank Reich he's always been. But I do think that for Indianapolis's purposes, they were really adamant about getting, like you said, a football, quote unquote, the a little bit more of the rah-rah. I'm not saying that's all he is. I, like, again, I think he's brilliant. I, I don't think you can have success with so many quarterbacks that he's had. Um, I don't think you can have the number two scoring offense in the NFL, or number three rather, and, you know, put up 30 plus points in the playoffs, you know, like it's nothing without having some expertise. But I do think there has to be a, a layer of leader of men, uh, you know, best of both worlds type of thing going on. And I do think they'll probably get some of that. And so I think that was a, a good tidbit is like when you brought up accountability in that presser or and when he addressed it, it was like, OK, the, the tone has changed. There's no no more of this heartfelt, you know, thanking everyone. It was like, no, this is how things are going to be. And so I think that that's a huge thing to have when you have a team that was so dysfunctional throughout the season. A lot of that obviously came from higher up, you know, players have just have to play, but I do think that there was a lot of just inconsistency with play, with messaging, with everything going on. And I think that he's come to kind of, you know, stick up, draw a line in the sand, like, Hey, this is how we're going to do things. And if you're not going to do it, you know, this way, you're probably not going to be here. And he, he had another interesting comment where he was talking about, if you're going to coach, you're going to coach your way and succeed your way or fail your way. And I don't think that it was like a sense of, I'm never going to change or adapt. I think it was more so like you have to be yourself. And I think that he's, you know, confident in that. And he should be given the the track record he's had with quarterbacks, the 12 years of NFL experience. And yes, he's a first time head coach, but he also had the privilege of learning from one in Nick Sirianni and how, you know, maybe some of the things that he did well and not so well when he first started out and look where he got him now. I think it was interesting when he brought up the things he learned from Sirianni in Philadelphia. Again, Nick is a, is a young head coach as well. And the first thing Steichen said was he didn't let anybody slip. He didn't let anything slip. And after Sirianni's awful debut press conference a couple of years ago, there was a lot of doubt that he could do the job in Philadelphia. I, know, I had to go back and watch city. this. <laughs> I keep hearing. It's I got to go back man. and watch it this. It was bad. Um, 
and what I heard and what people reported was what really changed was when he got the veterans in that locker room, the, the Jason Kelseys of the world, to buy into him, to believe in him. Because you can't fake that. If the veterans aren't behind you, the team's going to fracture. And I think Sirianni obviously did that, and, and they were a couple points away from a world championship on Sunday night. So to spin that to Shane Steichen, I think, I think there was a purposeful look in, in this process for a guy like that. And I think you mentioned Frank Reich and the scholarly approach, if that's the right word. I think they wanted to veer away from that. And the evidence came from what Jim Mersey said in that wild press conference back in November. And then the conversations I had with people around Jim Mersey and Jim Mersey himself in the last several months, he's always been very fond of Mike Vrabel and that type of approach he feels like at this point was needed within the building. They wanted the top players held accountable. What happened this season, James? A lot of those top players regressed. They did, and that's why this team fell apart, especially on offense. And you know who I'm talking about, and everybody out there out there knows who I'm talking about. So I think they wanted a little bit of both, right? And I think they might have found the perfect marriage in Shane Steichen because he can be an ass kicker. We saw that. I think we felt that a little bit yesterday in the press conference. But also, most important, paramount in all of this is finding the right quarterback mind, right? The right coach to marry with your young quarterback of the future, who they're going to take at the fourth pick or if they trade up in April's draft. That's all that matters. So they hope they hit it out of the park in both worlds. If if you did, you're going to have him for a long time. If not, you know, you're going to have the quarterback here for a long time. So you need to figure out what works and what doesn't. But I think a very encouraging thing yesterday, James, was who was at the press conference, right? Not just a couple of players. Gus Bradley was there, several defensive assistants, and Bubba Ventrone was there as well. So it's not a sure thing, but every indication I have is that Gus Bradley and Bubba Ventrone are going to return. I think they're really good coaches. And I think that eases the transition for Shane Steichen a little bit because he's stepping into a role where there's so many more things to worry about. But with Gus Bradley and Bubba Ventrone in place, the players believe in those guys. They trust those guys. And Shane can worry about the offense because the offense was freaking abysmal last year and it needs a lot of work. Yeah, and, and one thing that, he did um, commit to – he was not committal on Bubba and Gus, which wasn't a surprise. I, I figured he wouldn't, you know, say yeah, that. Yeah, they're going to have to sit down. Exactly. And, and again, <laughs> the Colts probably want to get things, you know, lined up as far as, all right, this is what's really going to happen. I know, again, we had reports that uh, Shane Cycle was going to be the coach, but obviously nothing was announced until Penn met paper because of the last debacle. So I do think they're going to yeah, get the Colts. They made sure about that. Exactly. So I think that that's a similar path they're going to follow. And again, it probably was better for on Shane Steichen's part to just focus on himself and what he can, he can bring and things like that and worry about those things, not worry about them. I'm not saying he's not thinking about them, but I mean, address them at a later date. But in regard to, you know, the way the, the team kind of responds to Bubba and Gus, I do think that, there's something to be said about having that stability, having that trust, and having that that. Don't you think of, they need a little bit of that right now? I was now? gonna say, yeah, that that layover. It's a kind of okay, like not everything is new. And Gus has been a head coach before, and I think that matters exactly. And I do think it also kind of builds your confidence because it's like, okay, some of the stuff that we did with these guys actually did work. It wasn't all bad, and it really wasn't. I think the special teams unit was pretty good. You know, it was up to par. It, Typical to what Bubba Ventron has done in that I role. I think if the offense was decent, they would have won like eight games. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, like they everything they did was terrible. Decent. But, um, yeah, I, I find it uh, interesting that, it, you know, obviously Pittman got a shout-out in that in that interview, um, in that presser, Jonathan Taylor. So 
it doesn't take a, a genius to figure out that those two guys are very important to the success of the team and the seasons that they had in, in 2022 are not um, going to cut it going forward. So I'm interested to see how those guys could get schemed up with a new quarterback, obviously. And I, I want one more thing about Jim Irsay when it comes to quarterbacks. So you made the Bryce Young comment, even though he, he didn't mention him by name, but I mean, what other Alabama guy are you talking about? It's not a defensive guy, <laughs> although those guys are great. You know, he joked about Jalen Hurts being like the 12th guy on the field when they when the Eagles snuck past the Colts. And it's like, hmm, I've been saying this, man. Do you think about a guy like Anthony Richardson, you know, who is more mobile and can run a Will Levis type who's, you know, can run and throw. So, you know, as much as people are saying and even myself, I'm like, hmm, he did kind of show his hand. Like, obviously, he likes Bryce Young. We know if we know anything, Jim Irsay pretty much is is unfiltered when it comes to certain thoughts you know maybe not the best yeah, time to put it lying. out there he can't help but, but lie. yeah he, he likes the guy and but, even, but, but tell the truth right exactly but at the same time i do think that you know there's going to be heavy heavy consideration on all four of those guys and perhaps a little bit more so on anthony richardson just because of the history with guys of his skill set um particularly jalen hurts who um you know had a great season who in my opinion is now a franchise quarterback i don't think there's any doubt about it he played out of his mind except for that one catastrophic fumble in the Super Bowl. But, I mean, objectively speaking, I know I'll probably get some pushback on this. I think that Jalen Hurts is the best player on the field in the Super Bowl. Yeah, for a lot of it he was. I mean, three rushing and, touchdowns. I mean, he had four total touchdowns, and he balled out. His last playoff game before this season was abysmal. He was terrible. He was completely undone against the Bucs. And, and to see the development to this year where he was the MVP runner-up to the best football player alive in Patrick Mahomes – speaks to what Steichen can do. And two things on that. You made an interesting point about what Jamerse said. Jamerse also mentioned it felt like the Eagles were playing 12 on 11 because they have an extra blocker yeah, because the quarterback is the runner. This is something I've talked to him about before. And this, I feel like, is where Jamerse is going at the position. He's very enchanted by the idea of having somebody who can run like Jalen Hurts. You can make the argument the Colts outplayed the Eagles for most of that game in November but what happened at the end, the QB draw and Jalen Hurts beats them at the last second because it was the, the C's partying, right? Yeah. You got everyone and, accounted for except for him, and that's what makes it hard. Yeah, and, and that's something that Jim Mercy has been thinking about over the last year as as he's watched Matt Ryan, who was a statue, and then you know really sabotage this season in a lot of ways behind that offensive line. So that's something to think about moving forward. Look, they're going to do whatever they want at the top. Like they're going to go get the guy if they want to go get the guy at number one. They're going to they're going to make a move and they're going to get a quarterback. We know that. But secondly, how does Steichen fit into this? And you asked this question yesterday. You said, "What do you look for in a young signal caller?" And I thought his answer was was an, was an interesting because he very made, much made it clear that he marries his scheme to the quarterback and what he does well, not the other way around. I've heard some coaches in the past say. Well, you build a scheme and you see where the guys fit in. This guy's doing the opposite. He's looking at his quarterback in this past season, Jalen Hurts, and he's building around what Jalen does well. And it's really hard to identify what exactly the Eagles' offense was last year besides just terrific. Like, there was not one thing they did well. They were one of the best run teams in the league. They were one of the best deep shot teams in the league. And they could score in very different ways in very different spots in the field. They can move the tight end out. They can run a lot of motion. Like, they were a really creative offense. And here's what I like the most. And Colts fans struggled with this last year because this team was so bad. Situationally, the Eagles were terrific. They were really aggressive. And in big moments, third downs, red zone, they were terrific because they have that extra runner, in a sense, with Jalen Hurts. 
the Colts were dead last in the league in red zone in, in goal-to-go situations last year. So to be successful in this league, you obviously have to score points. But secondly, you have to be really good in those tight window situations. And one thing that Steichen said yesterday that jumped out, he, he talked about his four pillars of what he's going to build his program around. A little bit of coach speak, but what jumped out at me is something he says a lot in press conferences is separation. Preparation is, is what separates the good teams from the great teams in this league. He says, you don't win the games Monday through Saturday, but you damn nail, damn near do because of what you can do in practice to get ready for the game. And that seems like something he really buys into. That's what he sold the Colts on. That's going to be fascinating because I don't think, and I want to get your opinion on this, James, the cupboard's not bare. Like, this is not a totally awful offense, despite what they did in 2022. If you can get the offensive line playing better, you still have Jonathan Taylor. You still have Michael Pittman. You have, you know, Alec Pierce coming back. You might have Paris Campbell coming back. You've got a little bit of life at tight end. Jelani Woods played good down the stretch. But more than anything, more than just the offensive coordinator position, which he will fill, you've got to get the offensive line higher right. You've got to hire a really good offensive line coach to fix that unit because nothing's going to matter until that unit starts playing better. Yeah, I think that'll be probably the biggest assistant news outside of the offensive coordinator is like who the heck is going to direct this offensive line because it looked so different and obviously did not play up to their standard or their pay. They were downright bad last season just because most expensive um, line in the league. Yeah. And it didn't look like it didn't feel like it. They weren't nasty. And, you know, we'll see even if they do get a little nasty. Cause again, that was why Jeff Saturday was brought in. Then you got Nick Foles, you know, who gets hurt in the, in the New York giants game. And you got Kayvon Thibodeau doing snow angels next to him and no one does anything. And I don't think that will go over well with Shane Steichen or, or any other coach. And I do think that that'll obviously be something that he has to address, you know, being mean and, and getting some fire back. I think part of that was probably maybe fatigue just far as the season was going, not playing well. But I do think that, again, that's something that you want to see uh, defined by Shane Steichen. Like, we have some toughness. We have an edge. We're not going to just lay down and let teams bully us. And so, obviously, that starts with the offensive line. It starts in the trenches. And, again, that's what – I mean, the Eagles have a lot of great players over there. I'm not saying that the Colts don't have a few of their own, but not to that level. Like, they really yeah, were Can Steichen bring the offensive line from Philly? That would help. Those guys are awesome. Like, Jordan Mulata was like a like a claim from, like, the international program, and they just made him into a left tackle. Like, that doesn't happen. Oh, man. I am so excited to just nerd out with him about QB sneaks. Like, I didn't ask that question yesterday because, I mean, you're going to ask it in the intro press conference. But it's like, when we get, like, closer to the season and more offensive scheme questions, I'm going to ask him about that QB sneak. They're unbelievably effective. It's, like, historically good. Yeah, and, was, yeah. and you know it's coming. And I and I, I absolutely love that. I feel like it was the same way with, like, the, how the Seahawks played their, their base defense when they were in the Legion of Boom era. You know it's coming. You know what they're going to do. And they're going to do it anyways and still beat your head in. Like, I just love that. Like, it's like, you know this is coming. We're two yards out. We're just going to give Jalen Hurts the ball and push him in, and no one's going to be able to say anything about it. Again, I think that, you know, I'm on a tangent here, but I do think that a lot of the the principles that he built over there, he'll bring over here, and a lot of it now is just like re-establishing it and, and building it from the ground up again. I know the reason I asked him about the, the Philly game and the Super Bowl game was basically because had they won, I probably wouldn't ask that question because it's like, oh, you win, you ride off into the sunset, you start a new chapter. But like as a competitor, I know it had to sting to to know probably going into that game. This is my last one, 
and we were that close. You know, with the quarterback I helped develop, I helped turn into a superstar. We were right there, and now I can't finish it, you know, which is why he probably was watching that tape <laughs> before the press conference. Like, man, we were that close to history, glory, immortality, you know, all the things. You know, but you can't let this opportunity pass you up because this is also part of your dream, right? To become a head coach. You got one dream, it's to win the Super Bowl, another one is to win, you know, or not, you know, win the job and, and become a head coach. And you mentioned it in your story, it's like, at what point do you <laughs> sit back and just find some gratitude? Not saying he's ungrateful, it's just like it's hard as a competitor because you want everything, you want it all. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit that he threw in there, which I was completely shocked by, you know, just finding out like, oh, an hour before your press conference for a new team, you're you're sitting down, you know, just taking one last look at the old one. And so um, I'm very interested to see how the players will respond to him. I know, again, a few of them were there yesterday. Quentin Nelson, Pittman was there. Tyquan Lewis is there, who's a free agent. Um, some other guys as well. But it'll be very interesting to see how they respond to him. And I do think that just based off of the success he had alone, um, not only in Philly, but just everywhere he's been, um, again, that'll that'll kind of get your you know ears to perk up a little bit. Obviously, if you're an offensive guy as well, you're like, man, this guy – you know, one thing that, you know, stands out about him, which I've read in multiple quotes, and he, I think he mentioned it yesterday as well, is like he's always going to try to put guys in the best success, you know, position to succeed, which is every coach is going to say that, but he's proven he can do it. I mean, Devontae Smith mentioned it, said it to CBS Sports. I mentioned it in the story of my own initial reaction story yesterday when he first got hired. He's like, he's not just saying stuff to say it. And if you ask a question about why we're doing it that way, he'll explain why this has to be done this way it's not just like do it my way or else it's like no i'm going to show you why this works and obviously um again you see some of the development with guys that he had i mean this past year how many guys on philly had career years not only jalen hurts but aj brown Devontae everybody. smith miles sanders everybody. like yeah. i mean they everybody all, ate yeah, yeah exactly now everybody granted know. they have a loaded roster a great great team and to anyone out there who you know is under their breath saying anyone can play jalen hurts no they can't like stop that now, that annoys me. Like he is very, very good at quarterbacking. So stop that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that again, a lot of that comes with talent and then development of that talent and, and putting it in the right places. But Chris Ballard downplayed it. He was saying, you know, it's not all about the quarterback guru or quarterback whisperer thing. However, you know, and I know that it was a huge factor because that's the direction this team is going. Um, it was pretty obvious. And even Jim Ursay said it yesterday. Like we're going to draft a quarterback. We're probably going to get a young, a young signal caller. No disrespect to Matt Ryan, no disrespect to Sam Ellinger, no disrespect to Nick Foles, but all those ships have sailed as far as, you know, handing those guys the keys and expecting them to do anything with this team. So expect a young quarterback to be coming in. No, Derek Carr will not be signed as a free agent <laughs> so you can relax. And so I'm excited about it. And mainly because similar to the head coaching search, Zach, there isn't a top dog out there as far as quarterbacks. Like there isn't a clear cut this is the guy above everyone else. Like if Caleb Williams was, you know, eligible this year, he's probably that guy, but there isn't one. And now you got to, again, lean on your expertise, your background, and just your scouting to, to hopefully, in the Colts' case, pick up a quarterback who can become that next franchise cornerstone. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I thought it was interesting. I talked to Shane's wife, Nina, for just a minute after the press conference, and she said it's been very stressful the last week because I think he had a feeling that he was going to get this job, but he basically had two balls in the air, right? He had the opportunity of a lifetime to become a head coach in the NFL, which is what he's always wanted. And then secondly, he's got the biggest game to date of his life in Super Bowl 57. And, you know, she kept telling him, like, you should be very grateful. We're so lucky to be in this position. And he kept thinking, like, I want both. Like, I'm not just satisfied to be here. And (laughs) the dude put up 35 points and 417 yards on offense, and they, you know, they should have won the game if the defense didn't have all those coverage busts in the second half, but they were playing a really good quarterback and a really good coach. So the sting of that I don't think is something you get over. I think that takes a long time. And you talk to guys years later, and they don't get over that Super Bowl loss if they go through it. And it's it's really hard to get back. But he mentioned that. He's like, I wanted to watch the first quarter to think about how hard it was to get there. And then he wants to take the Colts there in a couple years. And to piggyback on what you were talking about with the quarterback, I think this is really fascinating. He's going to be such a good resource in this search, right? So he's had a lot of success with guys like Phillip Rivers who were pocket passers late in his career. Look up Phillip Rivers' 2018 season. He was incredible. And then he took Justin Herbert over as a rookie who really wasn't the guy in training camp for the Chargers. Remember, it was that stupid injury the Chargers caused on Tyrod Taylor when they like busted his um, collar blown or whatever it was. Justin Herbert comes in and just balls out, like 30 touchdowns, offensive rookie of the year, all that stuff, 4,000 yards. And then really the, the masterpiece, in my opinion, is what he's done with Jalen Hurts. Because Jalen Hurts really struggled with the passing game last year at certain parts. And Steichen was able to mirror the offense around what he does well and then elevate Jalen so much to the point where he was the runner-up to Mahomes in the MVP race this year. So he talked about it yesterday. He's like, look, the, the one thing about all these different quarterbacks that's in common is the fact that they're obsessed with their craft. And he had a way of saying it that made you really believe he knows what that looks like. And so I think in these interviews, both at the Combine and when the Colts bring these guys in, and they'll bring in all four of those guys and probably several more, to sit down for lengthy, hour-long interviews. And Brian Decker will be involved, the player development guy, and Ballard and Dodds and all those guys. They're going to be able to try and test and see if these guys are obsessed with football because they all look great now as prospects, and they're going to look great in the combine. They're going to look great at their pro day with all these scripted workouts. But really the measure of a quarterback is what do you do when it gets hard because it's going to be really hard 
for these guys when they walk in. An offensive line that's shaky, a rookie head coach. And look, it's it's going to be difficult because this team's just not there yet. So who's going to handle that the best I think is a big part of this. And I think having Steichen in that room to help not just pick the quarterback but then mold the quarterback because I think it's really important what you do with that rookie quarterback and who you surround him with because so many of the guys bust out. So I think that's going to be really fascinating. But having him along the ride for the next couple of months as they scout these quarterbacks in depth is going to be such a resource for this organization. And despite having some really good defensive candidates, Raheem Morris, Aaron Glenn, Rich Bisaccia, the Packers special teams coach, who all interviewed really well, really well, look, they wanted offense, and it makes it makes a ton of sense. And honestly, I can't blame them for that because that's where this league is going. Yeah, absolutely. I can't blame them at all. Um, another thing <laughs> I, I do want to uh, mention is that, you know, it's got a beautiful family. And uh, Stella might have stole the show, Zach. You've got young daughters. I don't know how much they would like to sit through an hour and a half press conference about their daddy getting the biggest job of his life. They have no idea yeah, what there's that no means. And so his daughters, uh, you know, running up there waving. And and, and that was like a, a fun moment. It kind of puts things in perspective for me because it's like you mentioned the coach so much, right? You mentioned how much this means to them, what they're going to do with the scheme. And, and you also realize like, oh, wow, like you just uprooted your family to come here and to start over in that aspect as well. So maybe he'll uh, appreciate that the combine is here in Indy and he won't have to like, you know, go anywhere else for a while. Cause I know that again, having to prepare for, you know, five hour, 14 hour days, you know, as far as interviews go, and then also prepare your team and put them in the best position to win and also playing the Super Bowl and coaching the Super Bowl. And then, you know, two days later, get, you know, get on a plane to Indy and, and things like that. So I think that that's another aspect of it that maybe we'll get more you know, inside to later is like, man, what was this whirlwind really like? I know when after the press conference yesterday, it was kind of wicks the way to do a bunch of other, you know, stuff. And I understand like when it happens with every draft pick, every quarterback, you know, pick or every coaching change, like you always want to get these guys out, you know, as soon as they land in the city, just out, you know, get their faces out there. You want the community to know who they are. And I'm sure a lot of Colts fans were pretty excited about the hire just because um, given his track record, but on the, on the other hand, I'm like, wow, that is a big, big decision to make to move your entire family. But, you know, Stella seems pretty uh, happy with Blue and, and was pretty uh, uh, cool in the, in the press conference. That was, that was pretty funny. I was thinking, wow, like kids are awesome because they have no idea like about no, any of that stuff. Like, and it, and there's it, my dad. Exactly. I was know? talking to Nina, Nina Steichen afterward, and she's like, I, I totally spaced. I should have brought like a book or coloring magazines or something. And I'm like, I... I know I always forget those too, but like she, yeah, it was like, it was like, she had no idea that there were 500 people in the room watching her dad. She just wanted to go say hi to him, but there you go. young kids, young coach, again, the second youngest this team's ever hired, but that's where this league is going. And, and, and the offensive move just makes so much sense. If they would have gone defense, I think it would have been a very real concern about what you're going to do on offense. Cause you're going to be drafting this quarterback in the spring. And this guy's got a really good track record. And the interesting part here is, Look, I told you guys Jeff Saturday was not going to get this job. I told you guys he was ruled out essentially a couple weeks ago, despite what you were hearing. They decided on Shane Steichen, whether they admitted or not, really about eight days before the Super Bowl. Jim Mercer flew out to Philadelphia, met with Shane for about five hours solo. Would love to be a fly on the wall for that conversation. And then the next day, before Chris Ballard met with him, Mercer essentially said, you're not going to hear anything. Ursay loved the interview and said he knocked it out of the park. And he said, I'm not going to tell you anything. I want you to come to your own conclusion. 
but you're going to get the same feeling I got, essentially. And Ballard and Ed Dodds and Brian Decker, and I believe both Ursay daughters that are on staff, Carly and Kaylin, and then, you know, Pete Ward was in the back of the room as well. Like, they met with him for like 8 or 10 or 11 hours, which is just an incredibly I do not long interview. Him. <laughs> you know, they broke it up into different you know, pieces. They wanted to go through the roster. They wanted to go through analytics and situational coaching. And they also wanted to find out if he has that, for lack of a better term, it factor to be a head coach and to be in charge of 53 players as opposed to just 26 as a coordinator, run a room, be a face of a franchise, and, and really, I think they need a new voice and I think they need a new vision for this team. And this is the last thing I want to hit on, James. You know, you've covered this team for one year, and it was a freaking soap opera, and it was exhausting. I think the Colts yesterday offered a more unified front than we had seen from them in in really 12 months. I thought it was very obvious that Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard are really hyped about this guy separately, not just together, but they both picked him as opposed to the other candidates. I really believe Jim Irsay picked Shane Steichen over Jeff Saturday. This wasn't Ballard forcing Steichen, and... After a season of chaos and dysfunction and tons of disagreements and the owner meddling about the quarterback and the head coach and his buddy at ESPN who used to play for the team, they came together and they ran a really well-run coaching search. They interviewed a lot of different smart coordinators across the league and they hired the guy they wanted to. And I think that speaks to maybe this organization turning the page after the dysfunction that was 2022. Absolutely. We talked about this right after the presser yesterday, but just how different was that one compared to the one in November? You know, Chris Bauer, yeah, like, I mean, he looked like he wanted they to be, be there. more different. I mean, and then what jumped out to me was, again, in November, Chris Bauer didn't say anything. He was like, I just have to be here because that's the job. And if you ask him anything, it was like a deer in headlights. Like, what do I say? Because I can't flat out lie, but I also cannot you know, disrespect the guy who signs my checks, the owner who hired me, even though the owner made some questionable decisions. I'll leave it at that. And then you fast forward to now and he's saying like, yeah, me and Shane Steichen see the game philosophically the same. And I thought that, that was huge because you have to have that marriage to have success in this league. There's no way, you know, you can have a Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman, you know, uh, the success they had in, in, in Philly without being on the same page as far as what you want out of your players. And what I you think want. Steichen will be good for Ballard. I think Ballard needs to really evaluate his entire approach. I'm not saying you get away from that O-line, D-line stuff, but I think one of the best parts about this coaching search, because it was so deep and diverse in terms of coaching talents, the Colts need to learn about what works in the league and what's not working with them. Because they kept thinking they were close. They kept thinking they were close to one a division quarterback title away. and a playoff run. And just one quarterback away, like you said, you freaking weren't. You weren't. Your roster had a ton of holes. We asked about them in August. You brushed them off. The reality is your team was bad. And it was badly coached. And it was badly managed. And it was badly run. And hearing from 13 different candidates that are coming from really successful places for the most part. right? You're not getting a head coach and interview unless you're coming from a lot of success. Now, I understand Raheem Morris, the Rams had a down year, and, and the Lions haven't won a lot, but they're on their way. That's not the point of this conversation. The fact is, they sat down with Shane Steichen and a lot of these guys, Brian Callahan from the Bengals, who were doing it right, and they learned about what's working. And the interesting thing that Chris Ballard said yesterday was they didn't agree on everything in that interview with Shane Steichen. They disagreed on some football points. And I think that's really good. I don't overreact to that kind of stuff. That's probably good. 
And I think Shane Steichen will be good for Chris Ballard because Ballard needs to reevaluate his approach, his philosophy, and sort of his team-building manner because it hasn't worked. Like, you need to start doing things different. You need to start doing things a little bit more aggressive like the Philadelphia Eagles or like the Cincinnati Bengals who went out and re-signed, like, or signed, like, three new offensive linemen after they couldn't protect Joe Burrow or the Chiefs who blew up their offensive line and completely rebranded themselves. And obviously that line didn't give up any sacks in the Super Bowl. But I think that will be a really good thing over the next couple months and possibly over the next couple years for Chris Ballard to be working with a new head coach who I believe is going to push back a little bit, right? I'm not so sure Frank Reich did that a lot. Now, he had his guys, but I think Steichen's going to give it to him straight and he's going to be honest. And I think that's a good thing because the Colts need to hear that and they they need to rethink things. Absolutely. And the last thing I'll hit on is just After every press conference, right, with any new player or new coach, there's always this sense of we need to rate how it went. Like, did they win or lose the press conference? I do not care. Um, That never really crosses my mind. He could have got up there and said anything yesterday. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. All that matters is winning games, man. Exactly. And and is he going to be like the most charismatic guy? Probably not. How many press conferences does Belichick want? He's like 0 for 438, you know, (laughs) in his career. And he's got six Super Bowl rings over there and and had a dynasty at one point with Tom Brady. So, again, I don't think that that matters too much. And, I, you know, it's fun to read about the excitement from fans and, you know, or even that their their points of uh, maybe feeling a little, hey, is, is this the right guy, you know, questioning things. That's all fine and dandy, but the truth of the matter is you're not going to find out until you get to the games. I think for me personally, Again, coming on to the be a little bit late, preparing for the 2020-2022 season, it was always like, hey, they're going to be pretty good this year. They were right there last year. They got the quarterback. I'm not believing anything until I see nope. Nope. something on the field that is not a preseason game, a joint practice. I don't care about any of that. You know, We'll see what week one brings in 2023, but I think after I was hoodwinked in Houston last season, um, which was obviously more, you know, ominous for the season as a whole. I'm just waiting to see, you know, what actually happens. Now, again, that doesn't mean we're not going to be interested. We're not going to break down all of the moves and decisions that are made. Obviously, there's a lot of big ones still to be had outside of the quarterback. You got a number 35 pick, which is a very valuable pick because it's essentially a first rounder um, because it's so high up in the second round. So, again, I'm excited about those things to come, but I never care about, you know, did he win? What did he look like? What did his tie look like? Who cares? Like, if anybody won the press conference yesterday, it was Stella. Um, shout out to Hudson as well, looking pretty dapper over there. I was thinking this guy wore a collared shirt to his dad's you know, press conference. Great job, kid. I was not put on a collared shirt yesterday, Zach. I was like, yeah, then no one's interviewing me. I'm not getting on the stage or nothing like that. So, <laughs> actually, on a side note, um, that was the first time in that room, Zach. So, that was pretty cool. I had never been in there before. That's where they introduced Matt Ryan last year. So, they, they, they it's the now when they introduced Frank Reich years and years ago, it was at Lucas Oil Stadium. They did a big dog and pony show but yeah Steichen is at work right now because the next job is assembling the staff which is really really important I would lean towards and this is just me I would lean towards a veteran offensive mind for the offensive coordinator position and here's what my thinking is yeah I agree if you hire a young one and things go really well with this quarterback he's going to be poached probably sooner than you're ready and if you hire an older one that's maybe not looking for a head coaching job you might be able to latch on to some stability which they need but that's the danger because Nick Sirianni was a young head coach. He hired a young say, offensive yeah. coordinator. They were both really good at their jobs. The Eagles had a lot of success. I mean, how happy are the Bengals for... that Brian Callahan is it like hasn't left? Oh, they're he, thrilled. He was they're almost absolutely out the thrilled. Door. 
Yeah. And, and, and well, he's going to get more interviews next year. But Nick Sirianni, man, like you have a great team, but you have to replace two really good coordinators with Jonathan Gannon going to Arizona and Steichen landing in Indy. And, and that's the game you play. But the staff is really important. The Colts are not worried about Steichen's ability to build a good staff at this point. There's still a lot of good coaches out there. There's still interviews happening for different jobs. But I think, obviously, I'm not breaking any news here. The OC hire is very, very important because that's who's going to be building the game plans with Shane Steichen. Steichen will call the plays. You've got to get the O-line hire right. Like, you've got to get that right. That's so important. That team, that unit needs a different voice. It needs a different fire. It needs an ass-kicking in a lot of ways to get back to what they used to be. Reggie Wayne is under contract for next year. I think he seems open to returning, but that's going to be Steichen's call. I don't think they have much of a relationship, but we know Reggie loves the Colts. Maybe he'll give it another try. I know Reggie likes his guys. He likes Pierce and Pitt and Paris, and I know those guys want him back, but hey, Reggie's going to do what Reggie does. So we'll see if they can pull him off the beach and get him back in town, but... I think that'd be a good hire. Yesterday, price on the beach, so <laughs> not a, he's probably yeah. He was at the Super Bowl, and I wouldn't come back to Indy now. I mean, I'd stay somewhere warm if I was him. But we do have coming up, and I'm really excited about this. A really good interview with Zach Berman, who covers the Eagles for the Athletic, does a great job. He's been on the beat for a long time. Knows Shane Steichen, knows what has worked for him in, in Philadelphia the last couple of years. Knows his personality. Knows what Jalen Hurts has done with that offense. So I think Zach's going to give us a ton, ton, ton of really good perspective on just what Steichen's done in Philly and what kind of head coach he might be in Indianapolis. So here is that interview with Zach. Zach Berman, fresh off a very long playoff run, a flight home from Arizona and a wild, wild Super Bowl. Covers the Eagles for the Athletics, done so for a long time. Covered the Eagles for a long time. We feel like we do this every couple of years, man. (laughs) The Eagles, you know, Frank Wright comes to Indy. Nick Sirianni goes to Philly. Now Shane Steichen's coming to Indy. So whoever the Colts hire at OC, I'll let you know who your future head coach is. Shane Steichen, we met with him yesterday. Very, very deliberate. I wouldn't say a guy that really cared about winning the press conference. He was emotional early, but when it came to football stuff, very direct, very short, very emphatic. You could tell the passion. From a personality standpoint, before we get into the football, what should Colts fans, what should people who follow this organization know about Shane Steichen, the guy? Well, publicly, I think you'll probably expect to see what you saw yesterday and that his public answers, at least if he stays consistent with what he did in Philadelphia, and and I think what he did in Indianapolis was consistent with that yesterday, was he's he's not going to give you much publicly. He'll he'll, he'll be uh, short answers, uh, very direct to the point, won't get too deep into things. But I think um, from everything I understand from getting to know him a bit, you know, players really respond to him in terms of the football understanding, the ability to to articulate what they're trying to do. That's something that I I kept hearing. And then as a as a play caller, as an offensive mind, I mean that's 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 a a big part of who he is. That's a big part of the appeal to him. It's different, you know, for basis of of comparison, it's different than Frank Reich. Frank Reich had that gravitas as a former player was a longtime assistant coach. And when he got hired away from the Eagles, he wasn't calling plays in Philly. Right. And he was, he was really, it was uh, almost like Doug Peterson's right-hand man, you know, Doug Peterson's conscience at times, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and Shane Steichen ever since the middle of the 2021 season, it's been his, he's been the play caller on offense. And when you talk about, the ability to work with quarterbacks, the ability to, to have a feel for the game. 
that's that's what you're getting in in Shane Steichen. So with Steichen, obviously the quarterback thing is paramount in Indy. They're going to draft yeah. one. They're at four now. He gets a lot of credit for what he did with Philip Rivers and then with mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. But I want to ask you about the guy that ran the show for the Eagles this year, Jalen Hurts. Is that how did things change when Shane took over the play calling? Because obviously we've seen Jalen Hurts yeah. elevate so quickly into an MVP candidate. How much of that is Shane Steichen? How much of that is Jalen Hurts? And and what specifically has he done to make players on that Eagles offense better? So they they ran the ball much more in the second half of of, of last year, and and you know sometimes like correlation and causation don't always go hand in hand, and you don't know if they were winning because Shane became the play caller or if it was just kind of the natural course of the season, but they definitely started running the ball more. And then that expression that Shane Steichen used yesterday where pass the score and run to win, that was their strategy this year. And that they were very effective doing that. And they were a matchup oriented offense, right? They weren't the type of offense where they would go in and do X. They were an offense that would see, what the opposing defense was doing, and they would respond accordingly. And And he did a really good job of dialing up certain plays for the players who needed the ball in that situation. And, uh, you know, I I, uh, I talked to North Turner recently, who is, you know, Shane's mentor, if you will, especially yeah. as a play caller. And North said he used to write on his play sheet uh, the numbers of his top players, just as a reminder to get the ball to, you know. Fascinating. Exactly. So number 11 or number six or number 88 for the Eagles. Right. And that's AJ Brown or Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard. And those will be reminders for it. This comes from Nick Sirianni, but Shane Steichen calling plays. The Eagles want explosive plays, right? Every team wants explosive plays. Well, how do you do it? One thing that Shane Steichen always often tried to do and the numbers bear this out and, and, and you can look it up is shot plays early in games, right? To try to stretch out the defense. We saw to, it. We saw it Sunday. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a that's a Shane Steichen staple. And so when you say what does he do to to get his players involved, he's he's very deliberate about certain uh approaches and philosophies. And so they're they're not an offense that is going to do X every week, but there is they're an offense that is going to have a philosophy that you'll see on a consistent basis. What if if anything jump out to you of of things that players have said over the last 18 months, a year and a half, Jalen Hurts. Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, any of these guys, what they have said about Shane Steichen as a coach and maybe what they've done, you know, just what their perspective is on what he's done to make them better. The phrase that I've heard from, from players, from Shane, even Nick Sirianni. Yeah. Is, is, uh, is the feel for the game that he has. And that's, it's an intangible characteristic, right? It's, it's, it's hard to quantify, you know, I've spoken to Shane about times when, or, and heard from Shane rather about times when, uh, you know, you, you might not look down at your play sheet because you're, you're rolling and you have that feel for the game. But I heard Shane say in his press conference that, you know, he, he really believes in gut feeling and he, he has really good football instincts. He has a feel for what to call for, what to do. You got to, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to be gearing everything toward him as a play caller or as an offensive coordinator, but, but to be honest with you, that's, that's how I've known him and going from, coaching 26 guys or 25 guys, whatever it may be to the whole 53 plus 10 on practice squad. That's, that's an adjustment for any coordinator. Um, I am curious to see, to see that. I mean, but he's really been well-regarded as an, as an offensive mind. That's, that's the thing that comes up. And when I've talked around the league 
you know, people in the locker room. One thing, and and when he was hired, when I asked about him, one thing that that jumped out is 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 that the work, you know, he worked with Philip Rivers, who was a really, you know, who who could put the offense in himself, right? And then Justin Herbert the next year, who's a complete rookie, whose first whose first start game, if if you remember, Tyrod Taylor got injured um, right. in like pregame warmups or. He took a needle before the game, something of that nature. And um, and Justin Herbert, so on short notice, goes and I think it was against the Chiefs and had a and a, and had a big game. And I, I think what you saw, and then you have Jalen Hurts, who's at a little different stage of his career, but learning the system and his ability to work with different quarterbacks, work with different personalities, that jumps out. And I, you know, I've spoken to enough people who've been around Shane Steichen who say that his understanding of offensive football, his understanding of different playing styles. Um, his understanding of run schemes for even someone who has a, a passing background, a quarterback background, those all jump out. He seems like he can be an intense guy, too. It felt like that yesterday during the press conference when he was talking about these things. And to piggyback on what you said, the main thing, the main reason he's here is what you just mentioned, the offensive background and, and the intelligence. That's what jumped out to the Colts during their search. They talked to half the league, right? 13 candidates. Yeah. But it's the intelligence that jumped out. How would you describe what he wants from his offense? He mentioned you pass to score, you run mm-hmm. to win. He doesn't have the same personnel here that he did in Philly. He doesn't have the talent that mm-hmm. he had there. He doesn't have the offensive line. He wishes he did probably. But when it's all working, when it all looks like what he wants, it was hard for me to really classify the Eagles offense in a simpler way because they they really can beat you in any way, exactly. yeah. obviously with the run. And they just wore teams down and they would take those timely shots. But like, how would you describe how he wants his offense to look when it is humming? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think the observation that you made there is the way I would answer it. He doesn't want to be offense X. And whether that's Shane's philosophy or whether that's Nick's philosophy, it's certainly the way that Shane called the game. I can't emphasize this enough. They were matchup dependent, right? And so if they were playing against the Giants one week, they would look different than if they were playing the Packers the next week, right? And you know, that's that's very much the way he, he, he wanted to be able to. There are, are certain games where you need to run the ball. There are certain games when you need to throw the ball. And he very clearly wanted to have that type of flexibility, that they could play different styles. That's something that goes back to last year, goes back to their offseason changes because they were a little too one-dimensional last season. And then explosive plays is something that you you keep hearing about when you know if, if if you're talking about his offensive philosophy, I promise you, explosive plays will come up in there. And the way Nick Sirianni defined them, or the way the Eagles defined them under Nick is 16 plus yards passing, 10 plus yards running. I know teams have different metrics for it. Some teams do 12 plus yards running, but Nick Sirianni and the Eagles very they felt very strongly about winning the explosive play battle. That's something that you saw Shane really try to generate that and and. Uh, he was not afraid to to have drives, for instance, where they ran the ball seven, eight times. You know, they had a drive against Dallas in the first Dallas game uh, in the fourth quarter when they put the game away. When you know, you know, Dallas made it close, and the Eagles just kept running and running and running. And then they got down to the goal line. They had a pass to Devonte Smith that they had basically been setting up the whole game, where Devonte was supposed to run a pick play based on everything film study would show. And then he leaked out um, and was wide open in the end zone, like no one around him. And Shane was setting that up and Shane saw it the whole way. Um, And that's when I talk about feel for the game, feel for when to call something, keeping things in his back pocket. That's very much the case with him. 
a theory I have about what went wrong in Indy the last couple of years is, is when Nick left, they lost something more than just the X's and O's. Nick's a really sharp offensive yeah. mind. You guys know that in Philly, but with Frank and Nick here together, it was a good cop, bad cop. And I think the players responded to Sirianni. He can be an asshole to them and in a good way. Where does Steichen fall along that? Is he more of the good cop? Is he more of the bad cop? Or, or is it too early to tell? Yeah, I think it's too early to tell. I mean, he, he I've seen him be intense and he can be intense, but that's, I mean, I mean, that was always Nick's job, right? You know, Shane yeah, Nick had has the, no problem doing that. Yeah, yeah. Shane had 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 to be the level-headed one at, at times. But, you know, for instance, Shane Shane liked to be on the field as opposed to the press box because he, he very much liked to be part of the conversation with the players. And some offensive coordinators like to be upstairs, but, you know, Shane, Shane likes to be down there, likes to have that conversation. You know, the other thing with Shane is that – it might not look it, but he's young. <laughs> I mean, he's he's thirty seven I mean, years old. Me, man. That's, yeah. I... yeah. So I I I think you know, um, you know, when the hat's off, and you know, it, it's uh, he he might look older than he is. He he's certainly not baby faced. But but it wasn't that long ago that that he was playing at UNLV and that he was uh, you know coming up in the, in the coaching ranks. So I, I think you know, personality wise, there might be the ability to to kind of connect with players because of that young age. As of right now, the Colts quarterback is Matt Ryan, who's 37 years old. Yeah. Shane Steichen is also 37. Matt yeah. Ryan will not be the Colts quarterback next fall. Last thing before I let you go, Zach, and, and I hope you get some rest and some time away. Although I, I know you guys, the Eagles have to hire two coordinators, so that doesn't leave you a yeah. lot of time off. What are the sayings that Steichen likes to le lean on? Every coach has these sayings and these things they repeat over and over again. He mentioned yesterday, you know, the separation is in the preparation. Mm -hmm. But like, what should we get used to hearing in this end that – are going to become staples of his coach speak? Yeah, it's a great question because I can give you 15 minutes of them with Sirianni <laughs> and 15 minutes of them with Jonathan Gannon. But Shane Steichen, he was quick up there, right? I mean, he That's was... That's what we felt like yesterday, like the yeah. economy of words. He just wasn't there to to grandstand or or to waste anyone's time. A hundred percent. That's kind of the staple of it too. And, you know, as as you get to know him, he's, he's very personable. He's very easy to talk to. But when he's up there in the public setting, it's not necessarily coach speak. It's it's more just kind of deflecting, speaking generally. And again, part of it too is, I mean, Frank could talk, as as as, as you well know. Right, but, right. But you know, when whether it was Frank Reich or Pat Shermer when Chip Kelly was here, when you're the offensive coordinator for uh, an offensive minded coach, you know, sometimes you want your comments to fall in line, right, with with the head coach. I'm curious to see what it's like when he is the head coach, but no economy of words is a very succinct way to put it because that that's what jumped out to me when he was the offense coordinator here. Yeah. He wasn't trying to sell anything. He was, he was just pretty much answering directly what he was asked. It's interesting because both the Eagles and the Colts need to hire an offensive coordinator. Do you think Steichen was close with anybody on the Eagles staff and that he would promote them? I know Kevin Petullo was here as a wide receivers coach. Yeah. He was well-liked. Where do you think that goes? Any names jump to the top of your mind? It's an interesting question for two reasons. Uh, first off, because the Eagles have have their own spots to fill, right? Yeah, um, and that's that's and, a better yeah, roster right now yeah, for sure. And 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 so they need to figure out who's going to be their offensive coordinator. And there's kind of a, a funnel up there, right? Who becomes the quarterback? If Brian Johnson becomes the OC, then who becomes the quarterbacks coach? Alex Tanney, for instance, is is someone who was the assistant quarterbacks coach here, who would make sense to be the quarterback's coach. But if he's not, is that someone Shane look at? And then the other thing too is very similar to how Nick was with Frank. And 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 you have, I imagine, real good insight on this. There are certain coaches who 
they might let you take and certain coaches they might not let you take. And contracts have something to do with it too, but there's kind of an unspoken agreement or sometimes a very spoken agreement between a coach and assistant who who he's allowed to take with him on the staff. Uh, so, you know, for instance, like Jeff Stoutland's not going anywhere. Jeff Stoutland's the Eagles offensive line coach, but Roy, it's Colts would love to hire that. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Is the assistant offensive line coach, right? Does, does that have something to do with it? But um, unlike, you know, Gannon brought certain coaches with him, Jonathan Gannon, who's now the Cardinals head coach, the Eagles defense coordinator. He brought certain coaches uh, with him. You know, I mean, he had a lot of autonomy over that staff, but Nick having an offensive background, a lot of the coaches came with Nick. Whether yeah. it was Patulo, Jason Michael, you know, right. who's who's the tight ends coach, they did bring in some other people, but it's it, it's it's very much Nick's offensive staff. So I could see Steichen trying to bring people with them, but I, I imagine it'll be in coordination with Nick. It might be a little different on the defensive side of the ball, where some of them are Gannon's guys. Yeah, interesting. Also, Steichen said yesterday, you know, nothing but love, nothing but love for everyone in Philly. He named some players that were a big part of the reason he got this job, and he almost got emotional and. You know, those guys did a lot for him. And he said, the one thing he learned from Sirianni is you can't let anything slip. The accountability, that's something that Ursa has been frustrated with here. So we'll see. But Zach, seriously, and, man, thanks. Wait, for, wait, wait. I, I yeah. would also add real quick, too, because I, I saw you had a, 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 a real good reference in your story to this about situational football. And I just want to get that yeah, they across. drilled him on this. Yeah, that was huge in Philly. I, I can't emphasize this enough. They had they would have these these situational Saturday meetings where Sirianni would say, I mean, you pick a situation, 14 seconds left in the game or 37 seconds left in the game. You're on the 23-yard line. You have no timeouts. What do you do, right? Down by four. What's your call? Like, it would be the Socratic method where Sirianni and it'd be in front of the whole team and Steichen would have to have an answer like that. And Steichen talked about this as like really in to a man. I've, I've talked to multiple coaches and players about these meetings and they're very well known in the Eagles building. So it didn't surprise me to see that come up in your story that that was something that impressed them in the coaching search because that is huge in Philly. And I imagine that's something that Shane will take with them. That's something you mentioned in your stories as they ran through the playoffs and then got to the Super Bowl was situationally they excelled. Third downs, red zone, yeah. all that stuff. That's something the Colts were so, so, so terrible at this season. And that's what jumped out in the interviews. The second part was they had to find out if he was a guy. They had to find out if he could command a room and all that stuff. They seemed very high on that as well. So, hey, it doesn't matter what they say in February. It doesn't matter what we talk about right now. All that matters is if they can win. But Zach, seriously, thanks for carving out some time, man. I know you've had a crazy month. We've been following your coverage on The Athletic. Great stuff. And we'll probably do it in a couple of years when there's another coach and hire between <laughs> these two teams. I look forward to it. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Zach Berman out in Philadelphia. He's just recovering from a very long playoff run and deserves a couple of days off after this. But they have two coordinator posts they need to fill. So Shane Steichen, a new era for the Colts. Yesterday felt like a, a step forward for this organization. Now we're going to have to see what kind of staff he puts together. But um, I'm just glad, James, this this long, long coaching search is over. I'm going to enjoy a weekend off because I haven't had one in a while. You don't need any time off. You and Holder and Chap, you all have brought me into this. You're stuck with me. Let's just get through. No, I'm joking. Take some time off. You need it. You deserve it. To have two days. Um, two days. You can have You two guys days. out there are exhausted as well, I'm sure. <laughs> but they got their guy, and yes. I think there's a lot to be excited about. And, and of the options they had at the end, there's, there's a lot to like about this, especially what he did with the Eagles in the playoffs. But that's it. A lot more coming. I know James is working on a bunch of stuff. We've got... 
a quarterback search now to move into. And that's going to be fun because everyone's going to have an opinion. I've got a lot of interviews set up over the next couple of days, including with Shane Steichen's high school coach, who he thanked yesterday emotionally for infusing a love for the game into him as a young football quarterback. So that's going to be fun. We're going to do a lot of different angles on Shane Steichen and where the Colts go from here because the next decision, like you mentioned, James, is the most important one. you got to get the quarterback right, and that's going to be a fun next couple of months. So for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. Thank you for listening. Send us your suggestions for the new name of the podcast. We have to move off of 1% Better, but it's going to be a fun next couple of months, and we will check in with you guys next week.